Good to see you today. Family Sunday. Mother's Day. We're going to start an eight-part, eight-week series today. Calling it, well, the weather's so nice, right? I mean, the weather's been so nice. We just need to get outside of yourself. <laughs> that <laughs> will be our next eight weeks. Get outside of yourself. So we're going to be talking about missional things. We're going to be talking about giving. Because when you look at the path, there are eight steps on the path. I've told you before, you can see the Christway's business plan, the entire business plan from sitting right where Arnick is in the back in the sound booth. The goals, salvation, freedom, redemption, are achieved through connection to Christ, connection to others, and connection to purpose. And what are the things that we value? Well, it's the word that's on every single banner, and that word is connected. So our team knows this, that everything we do, Monday to Saturday and Sunday, and when Arnick and this wonderful worship team are sitting here, we all know that our goal as leaders and ministers here is to create pathways that connect people. Because connection is what we value. To Christ, which is salvation. To others, which is freedom. And to purpose, which is redemption. And that's all dandy, theoretically, but then we need a space and a plan and steps. And you can look back in the far corner by the doors and you see eight steps of a path. The first four steps, people get right away. Many of you here today have those first four steps nailed down. You've got them. Attending. Duh. You're here, right? Okay, so check that box. Discovery. Many of you have gone through that. Earlier this year, we had 55 people go through it. Just a few weeks ago, we had 35 people go through it. So that's kicking the tires, checking out Christ's way, not just how we do and what we do, but why we do it. So discovery and baptism. We have baptism Sunday. Just recently had 10 folks baptized. Some just came out of the seats. What a wonderful Sunday, exciting Sunday that was. And many of you have been baptized. And then step four is connection, just connection groups, things like that. And, and most people find themselves in some type of connect group, which means the first four things almost everybody's doing, it's the last four. It's those back half, second half, four, five, six, seven, and eight, engaging missionally with something, giving, not just time, but money, giving, investment, and then serving the family, serving on a, on a Sunday, finding a place to serve, and then replicating yourself, mentoring, being that kind of person after those first seven steps that can put your life into someone else. So the first four, I think most of us are doing or have done. But over these next eight weeks, we're going to look at these last four, five, six, seven, eight, these steps. What are important about those steps? These are the steps that God gave me to give to you so that we can have life more abundantly. Not just salvation, but freedom and redemption and purpose so that our needs for acceptance, belonging, community, and to make a difference can be met and found. So over these next eight weeks, we're going to be talking about getting outside of ourselves. I looked up mother's love it said a possessive affection. 
protection at all costs. But the elephant in the room is that that's not always true. Possessive affection. Protection at all costs. But really probably for as many as half of us and even more. Not true. A few years ago, I performed a wedding. I'm sorry, a funeral. A friend of mine, her mother passed. I didn't know the mother. But I did know the story. It was hard. Neglect. Abuse, even criminal activity. My friend was doing better. My friend was living a life that was rising above those things. And her mother passed, and she asked if I would do the funeral, and I did. At the end of that funeral, a woman approached me. I had never met her, did not know who she was. Come to find out, she was a caseworker. She was a DCS worker that had been with this family for quite a while. And she walked up to me, and she said, thank you so much for honoring her. It was a lot harder, and you know that and I know that, but you gave her grace today, the deceased. The mother that wasn't present, the mother that was broken, the mother that had her own issues, We're here to change that. That's why we're here. We're here in this place to change that narrative. We're here in this place to redeem that story as much as possible. In our own lives would be wonderful, but not just in our own lives, but in the church. The church who is, as the scripture says, the church is the mother of us all. There's an intriguing story, kind of bizarre and hidden, in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 21. And it's the story of a woman named Rizpah. Rizpah bore children for Saul, the king. She wasn't his wife. She was his concubine. She had no status. She had no power. But she was a mother. And in this bizarre of bizarre stories in 2 Samuel, it tells of David becoming king. And Saul, the king that was before David, Saul in his zeal for Israel tried to just exterminate people groups. And one of those people groups was the Gibeonites. And the story is set up such that God brought a famine against Israel. There was a famine. Where was it? It was dry and parched and hungry. And David sought the Lord. And he said, Lord, what is the deal with this three-year famine? And the Lord said, it is because of Saul and his unethical violation of the Gibeonites. David's like, okay. So he goes to the Gibeonites and he asks them, what do we need to do? And they said, we can't even tell you what to do. It's not our right to tell you what to do. He goes, what would you like me to do? And they said, we want the seven sons of Saul. We want the seven sons of Saul. We're going to take their lives. 
as Saul tried to exterminate us, we want those seven sons. And so David said, as, as you wish. And seven sons, two from a woman named Rizpah, and, two, and five from a woman named Michael, given to the Gibeonites. Possibly put up on an instrument of execution like this. Possibly hanged or impaled, the scripture isn't exactly clear. But those seven men, their lives were taken in retribution for the work and the acts of Saul and the crimes and the violation against a group of people. And so we've got these five boys from one mama. But the Bible tells us about the two sons of Rizpah, Armoni and Mephibosheth. Not the son of Jonathan Mephibosheth. Apparently that was a popular name. Another Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth and Armoni hanged up there. And this woman without status, this woman without importance, this woman with no power whatsoever laid burlap across a rock and slept there day and night for five months. Five months, day and night. Her boys hanging there. Her boys, two boys impaled on a stake, hanging there. She would... The birds. In the evening, the animals of prey. She watched those boys stiffen into rigor and bloat and decay. What did she see? What did she see every day? What, did, what was the smell of being in that space? I don't know how she ate. I don't know how she took care of herself. She never left, the scripture says. A possessive affection, relentless in its protection. This woman without status, a concubine, a, a cast-off, but she was the mother that we all wish we had. And day and night, for 150 days, she would take that burlap and swing it at the birds that tried to eat, literally, her sons. Chase away coyotes, animals, vermin, swinging. Relentless. The kind of mama that we probably wish we had. Kind of mama the church should be. This church that's the mother of us all. There was another man, a bit more famous, who was hanged on a cross. As you read the story carefully, what you're going to find is that Simon Peter wasn't there. Andrew, his brother, he wasn't there. As this man bleeds out on the cross, his body shredded, caked blood, bruises. It's not Simon Peter and Andrew that are there. It's not Matthew, it's not Thomas, it's not Philip. It's John and his mother. 
this mother that was close enough to hear his voice, close enough to hear him say, woman, behold your son. That close. Because the love of a mother is an other kind of love. That's what it's supposed to be. Today, are we celebrating Mother's Day? I'm not preaching about Mother's Day. We're calling this Other's Day. Happy Other's Day. Because what God is calling us to over these next several weeks and the continuation of the plan and the path that God has given me as a leader in this church is that we are to be othering. Othering with a possessive affection and with relentless protection. Other's Day. A couple years from now, it'll be 40 years since my mother passed. Sometimes that's hard and sometimes that's easy being that long ago. But for 35 years, a woman stepped into that space, which was a gift of God to me. Her name is Jane Bishop. Sent her a text last night. It started with, love you, love you, love you. Been a gift to me. She has triplet girls. They're younger, wasn't trying to date them. That wasn't what it was about. Four girls and granddaddy. She opened her home for me. You sang it earlier and you didn't even know you were singing it. She made room for me. She had a busy life and a business. They had a little farm stand at the end of their road on one of the busiest highways between Annapolis and D.C. They would make 300000 a year off of a farm stand you could pull behind a mower. And it grew and grew and grew. But there was a place for me on their couch when I was in the military and at that school. There was a place for me when I wasn't walking with God. She found room for me. She made room. It wasn't like she had time on her hands. It wasn't like she wasn't busy, and it wasn't like she didn't already have kids. And there was zero connection between me and her. We didn't, it wasn't like we knew the same people. It wasn't like she was my, my cousin's friend. Granddaddy and grandmommy are what my kids call them. Richard and Jane opened their house to me. They made room for me. I said, I wish I could be with you. I'm going to be preaching tomorrow, and you're one of the reasons that happens every single week. That's the truth. When you make room, she was simply embodying what the church does, the mama that the church is supposed to be. When you look at first century Christianity, first, second, third century, the church was known for this, what you saw with the rice bowls. The church was known for taking in orphans, because there were thousands. It was a culture in Rome that if you had a daughter or too many sons, there are letters that between husbands and wives that there'd be direction, just take them out of the house. You just go set them somewhere. You just go take them down the road and drop them off. It was culture. It was the norm. Nobody said, well, that's... That's sickening. I'm disgusted by that. They just took the baby and put it somewhere. 
And that was it. And the Christians knew this and saw that and responded with the love of a mother. We know God is our father. We all know that. But the scripture tells us that the church is the mother of us all. The church is the mother. Reached out, got these kids, just exactly what we saw in the video. There'd be a knock on the door and the woman said, I know exactly what to do. My question is, what about the 21st century church? I got what the first century church did. What about the 21st century church? Are we relentless in our protection and unbridled passion and love? I want our prayer to be, Lord, send the ones you love, and we will love the ones you send. Want to pray that with me? That needs to be a prayer that we pray over and over again that drives us, that's deep within us. It's an outside of ourselves. A mother's love is an other's love. It's not just about me, it's an other's love. It is the privilege of serving. It is the privilege of being in the body. It is the privilege of getting outside of ourselves. It is one of the steps on purpose. We don't have abundant life without an other's love. You can say it to yourself as I say it. Lord, send the ones you love. And we will love the ones you send. Lord, send the ones you love. And we will love the ones you send. I don't know if Jane Bishop saw me standing under the hot spotlights with a full church preaching. I never asked her. But that woman would have had to have a ton of faith. Because the guy that I was when we intersected... Wasn't too safe of a bet. Are you hearing me? Your pastor is the product of a man and a woman that became the church to me. I'll tell you the story. When I went there, I was connected to the pastor and his wife. And it was a church of several thousand people. And I was connected to them. When we shook hands, there was something that happened between he and I. My father in the gospel, strong, spiritual legacy, intense. But I went away from the Lord that freshman year of college, wild, as self-destructive as I could be. And I said, man, I am not desecrating your house like that. That's what I told him. I said, I love you all, but I'm not living like that at your house. I'm not bringing that on you. I don't want to give you all the problems that me in your house is going to give you. So call me if you want to play golf. But you know, the Lord has something tugging in us, doesn't he? There's a flame 
bruised reed, a smoking flax, he doesn't quench. There's something working. I just wanted to make some money. And a man let me clear land that he had no intention at all of clearing and has never done anything with it for 40 years. He just paid me to go cut stuff down week after week. But they were feeding me. They were loving me. They loved me into the kingdom of God. You ready for this? I had anointing already. You hearing me? I already had anointing. I already had gifting. I could speak or sing or minister. And it was felt through the whole room. That was already happening. But the love of community and church and body and people, they made room for me. Arnick, why don't you and your team come back up? They made room for me. I'm telling you right now. I'm here because of that. Am I saying if they weren't there, Jane and Richard, I wouldn't be here? That is exactly what I'm saying. None of us know for sure. I'm not sure, but that's what I'm thinking. Their love was so unconditional. So we take you as you are. So much surrounding. No keeping score. Just loving. This passionate protection, care. That mother's love was another's love to me. Lord, send us the ones that you love, and we will love the ones that you send. Anybody know what song we're going to sing in just a second? Make room. This question came to me yesterday. The question came to me, are we acting like mistresses or are we acting like mothers? Not talking first century church anymore. Talking right now. Talking to you. Myself, talk to y'all. In this room, the 385 different people that come here every month, almost 400 different people come here every month, talking to every one of those. Has our Christianity become something where we resemble a mistress more than a mother? A mistress who shows up on the weekend. Drops by for a couple hours. Enjoys what happens. Great time. Zero responsibility. I sat with a guy one time a few years ago, and he was going to went to the church I pastored, and he was in an affair, sexual affair with another woman, not his wife. And uh, 
I started talking with him about it, and he said, man, it's awesome. Just on and on and on how great it was. I said, dude, it's not real. What do you mean? I said, do you guys talk a lot about the mortgage and do laundry together? Has she washed your socks lately? Do you argue about who's mowing the grass? No, y'all just have a good dinner and roll around for a couple hours. That's not real, my friend. You've deluded yourself. You're clueless at best. There is a call to be real, to have the love of a mother as the church, not a mistress, not someone who shows up a couple hours a week, has a great time and heads home, but someone that is vested, protective, passionate, loving, caring. This is your house. <laughs> this is your space. This, these are your people. We love and we bleed it out for people here that's the call I thought this morning I would rather do church with a hundred people a number in my mind 150 people that love that way than 400 people that don't As we sing this song, I want to make room for you. You know, when we love Jesus, you know how we show him we love him? He said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. When we're saying, I want to make room for you. If you think it's just you and him, then you might be more of a mistress. It's not just you and him. It's I want to make room for you and those you love you send and I will love those you send. And I will make room for people and I will make room for mission. And I will make room for your purposes. I will make room for you. And the faces will be these faces. The faces will be real faces. Real faces, real people, the faces. And I will make room for you. I'll do whatever you want. That is the surrender that I invite you into today. after me as a prayer of the body of Christ. Lord, send the ones you love and we will love the ones you send. My notes say possessive affection, relentless protection. If you didn't have that growing up, 
This is your opportunity for God to redeem that. Andy and I did not have kids for 14 years. So my Mother's Day was hard too for 14 years. The gift that God gave me is putting kids in my life that actually needed a mom. We would walk streets in Newport, Rhode Island and kids would come running. Day after day, week after week, those kids are still a part of our life. We had a godson. And he said, he's bragging over here. He's got, we got grandkids through him. He's in Hawaii, a soldier. So we spent years pouring into teenagers and parents and babies. I would walk a very scary neighborhood. Somebody would bring their baby they had, that had just been born. And I felt like maybe my reason for being there was to pray over that baby because I knew what that baby was living in and what its future was if God didn't intervene. So I give you courage today. Whatever you are feeling on this day of mothers that Hallmark has instilled into our society. I played my parents uh, on Spotify. Yesterday I was cooking and I played Carolyn Glenn's era music, which of course both of my parents have passed. So guess what I did while I was cooking. But I needed to do that. I needed to grieve that. I loved them so much and I miss them terribly. And our relationship wasn't perfect. There were some things that I had to grieve when my mother died. But I allowed the Lord, and he is still doing it in me, to heal that so I can be who I need to be to people in my life. I have prayed specifically for you today, those of you that were going to be here, individually and as a body, that you would have the courage today to grieve whatever you need to grieve or release or remember or celebrate and take that as God has redeemed it into pouring it into someone else. If you haven't been able to tell yet, we're going to go on a journey the next three weeks or four weeks about mission. And thank you for being so open and sensitive. We're going to go on a journey. What does it look like as a believer to um, serve? Let's pray it again. Lord, send the ones you love, and we will love the ones you send. I know you know it's a privilege, and I think as we journey in this as a body, we're going to find out how much it is a privilege, maybe on another level, to serve in the way that we love our community. So I'm going to bless you, and you can spend your day contemplating, or if you have the privilege to go to a mother or a grandmother or someone who's like a mother and have some form of food today, I bless you for that. Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us. Thank you for letting us join in where you were leading us, what was happening amongst us today. Just jumped in that river of life as a body today. We thank you for allowing us to feel you and allowing us to see you in each other. Thank you for the love of the church, the mama love. I pray, Lord, courage for people to respond to whatever it is you're asking them to do today in their thinking and their praying or where they actually are going today or what's going to happen when they do go home. Would you give courage and blessing and help in all of that? Because you are a redeemer. You are a rescuer. And you make things that were meant for evil, you make them good. And so for that, we're super grateful. We're grateful for your agape love that is perfect, unconditional, 
and abundant. And so I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have felt it today and help us to receive it for the rest of the week and to share it wherever we walk. So I pray protection as they go out. I pray agape love. I ask that you bind up fear and loose the power of your spirit among us so we can take this outside of these walls and into our community. So I thank you and may you bless this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all. See you next week.